Cavalcade Audio Productions presents Star Drifter, the science fiction audiobook series written and read by David Collins Rivera. Today's story, Robot Overlords, Part 1. don't even like you. You don't like anyone. Just give us the schematic. I like Litany. Litany's my friend. You're not my friend. Well, Litany's not mine, but I still work with her. It's called professionalism, Zooks. Professionalism implies a profession. I don't have a profession. I have programming. I have orders. I'm not master of my destiny. All I have in the world is the support and trust of my friends, and you're not one of them, Yumani. No one aboard this vessel is, nor do any of you have the clearance to access that kind of information. The technical maintenance specialist muttered a dark curse, then touched her collar mic. Ijaki won't talk to me. I need those specs, her chubby co-worker answered. I have no fine-grain resolutions with these crappy sensors. Perhaps you could make use of a visual feed, Zooks offered uselessly. We'll never get that close, Beezer injected from the cockpit. He was shift boss and pilot. Not in time, anyway. What are you seeing right now? A blob, angling to intersect a charted vector, the gunner replied. The blob is our target, but we have no firepower. I can't stop it linking up unless I know exactly what to hit. We need a detailed schematic to overlay onto the silhouette. It's the only way to locate the boat's maneuvering thrusters. Will it even be enough? It's all we've got, the man replied grimly. So it better be. Zooks, Beezer growled authoritatively. I'm ordering you to pipe the technical specifications of a Class F cargo-carrying frame boat to Ejok. Do it now. No more fooling around. I can only follow the rules, SRS Supervisor Ludlow. I'm so sorry. No, you're not, the pilot shouted, his tenuous self-control bursting into flames. That's a lie. All you ever do is lie to me. It's not all I ever do. I have other interests. Lydney is not part of your COC, Yumani accused. How come you'll take her orders and not ours? Firstly, she doesn't order. She asks politely, the artificial intelligence intoned evenly. Secondly, she's my friend. I do favors for my friends and ignore the rest, which is why this conversation is over. Hate, 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 hate him, the woman muttered fiercely. I need options, Ejok injected, noticeably distancing himself from the other's anger. If the AI is a no-go, can we grab sensor feeds from some traffic sats? Looks like a tri-pack is coming up. Um, 78, call it 80,000 case, the spin word. 
They'll have washed the boat with actives by now and ID'd it. Probably they even have some decent exterior images. I can work with that. Maybe I can. Hold on, Beezer offered and went off-channel to do a verbal query to the onboard AIs of the small cluster of traffic satellites. They were in regular orbit around Klee, a red dwarf star system that had no settled population, but did house Viking Gaze Industries, ILLC, large, multi-product, automated mining, construction, and manufacturing facility number 26, or just Autocon 26. This was an enormous robotic facility that extracted raw minerals, gases, naturally occurring organic and inorganic molecules, and pretty much anything else that could be used to make things, and then made things with them. Viking Gaze had an exclusive contract with the Alliance of Independent Nations Department of Industry and Commerce, which allowed the supercorporation complete and total freedom to exploit Klee in any commercial manner it saw fit. In exchange, Ain encouraged business in this part of the territory and was able to levy commercial taxes on all goods shipped out, while INC in particular collected sizable licensing fees each quarter. Fleet was in charge of deploying and maintaining the traffic satellite swarms in most systems in the Alliance, and the ones in Klee system had been tested just two months prior, according to records. That meant they were probably in good working order and had recent software and data updates. The fully automated Class F boats in Klee were busy little bees, so there was every reason to believe that some good scanner details of them were actively stored in the satellites. Yumani continued with her disconnects on Sheila's non-essential systems. When the three of them had first clambered aboard... Beezer shouted from the cockpit up front that he wanted all available energy for weapons, engines, or whatever else. For two days now, they'd been accelerating, burning fuel and adrenaline. And for nearly that entire time, she'd been popping safeties and redirecting connections in power junctions all over the small transport's human-accessible sections. She'd even done an EVA two shifts before, to disconnect a magnetic ring inset around the main drive's thruster cone. This piece of equipment was designed to increase efficiency by carefully focusing the exhaust gases and energized particles exiting the engine. It didn't save on travel time or anything, but it did save on fuel and therefore money. It was also a power draw they didn't need right now, so it had to go. If they couldn't stop the Class F up ahead from outshipping its load... This would end up costing Viking Gaze much more than would some extra fuel, to say nothing of the potential harm to people. My request is getting an authorization challenge from the traffic sets, Beezer announced, sounding confused and even more annoyed than before. It's saying system-wide supervisory clearances needed to get any information on the boat. I was the one who okayed that thing's dust off, how can I not be cleared? Litany has system-wide clearance, Zooks informed him, which got a quick, obscene retort from the pilot. Now, is that really called for? Since Litany oversees shipping forms, requests, and licenses, she is required to hold a legal certification grade of two, which entitles her to system-wide clearance in Klee. As the SNR supervisor, Bartholomew, you don't. Your job is different, with different responsibilities and privileges. See how that works? 
I'll work you over with the blackest black hat malware you ever saw if you keep needling me, came the retort, but the AI program didn't return this volley. Litany's not here, Yumani pressed for what seemed like the hundredth time. Is a direct reasoning splinter of the Zook's artificial intelligence on Autocon 26, you are required to render us any assistance we need so we can do our jobs. Contact Litany now and get her to authorize this information. If I may point out, the disembodied voice balked, that is not at all why my main instance is chained like an animal to the hardware Inkley system. Oh, here we go again. Beezer groused. Also, Litany was very angry with you, Yumani, and gave me specific instructions to disregard anything you might say. You shouldn't have eaten her last piece of cake. I didn't think she wanted it, the woman protested. It was sitting in the cooler for a week. You could have asked. I did. No one said anything. Mumbling vaguely about wanting some dessert while your head is in the cooler is not really the same is asking Litany directly if you can eat her last piece of birthday cake. I heard her say it, Beezer put in. Me too, Ejok added. Yes, well, apparently Litany did not, Zooks continued, unfazed and unmoved. I agree that her prohibition about talking to Yumani seems a bit strict, and since the behavior of the human employees of Autocon 26 is unusual concerning this situation... I've taken the initiative to confirm Litany's verbal instructions with my larger counterpart back at the factory. A moment later, a voice that sounded exactly the same said, This is the main Zook's artificial intelligence instance, stationed in Klee System at Viking Gaze Industries ILLC, Autocon 26, and I endorse this message. That was just you, Yumani accused. You didn't call anybody. Of course I did. Shall I call again? Can we mute the AI if it isn't going to help? Ejok asked. It's distracting. I'm right here, Ejok. You can speak to me like a person. It's debatable whether the main Zook's instance is a person, the fat man replied quickly. It's a simulated person at best. I'm not going to waste time arguing with the sim of a sim. Please, there's no need to be insulting. Beezer, the gunner pursued instead. If you broadcast a crisis alert, your authorization should be temporarily elevated to allow for emergency action, maybe enough to get the info we need from the satellites. There doesn't appear to be an emergency on Sheila at the moment, Zooks observed. Broadcasting such a statement under normal conditions would be unlawful. I'm afraid I can't endorse or allow criminal behavior that could open up the company to legal or liability issues. If you attempt to make such a broadcast, Beezer... I'm required by law to cut the channel. The emergency is up ahead, Zooks. Don't act like you don't know what's going on, the pilot replied. I'm just the sim of a sim, Beezer. How can I understand anything? Yumani, like the other two humans aboard, sighed in exasperation. Ejak, she started to say, but the other cut her off immediately. Don't ask me to apologize to computer software. It's not going to happen. And Zooks won't accept it anyway. He's petty and vindictive. More harsh words, the computer software observed. Give it a try. I might surprise you. If I apologize, will you let Beezer send the alert? It would be a good start. That's not an answer. 
and I suspect your apology won't be sincere. If you only make amends because you think you might get something in return, then your motivations are selfish. How can I be satisfied with that? You don't need to be satisfied at all, Beezer bellowed. You need to help us, or that shipment will launch. Millions of faulty electrical components distributed to every major shipyard on this end of the territory. For that matter, Ejok injected, Zooks, being the primary AI of Autocon 26, could just send an override order to that boat directly and have it turn back. The Class F boats in use in Klee system are not Viking Gay's property, the AI clarified. They're being leased from Entrega Segura Consolidated. Each boat has its own onboard AI, and the cargo fleet as a whole follows its own protocols. There are financial and safety agreements between Viking Gaze and Entrega Segura about how the business of transporting manufactured goods out-system must be conducted. Nowhere in the documentation of those agreements is there mention of anything like this. Because it's an emergency, the pilot reiterated at the top of his lungs. I don't agree, but let's give it a shot anyway. There, I've just sent the request. And... Here's the answer. Yes, just as I thought. No human nor any company's property are currently in danger, so the Entrega Segura AI on that boat declined to comply. Sorry, but I did all I could. You're not even trying, Yumani accused. I was really hoping for the best there, but some machines can be vexing. I hadn't noticed, Beezer snapped, then said, Look, Ejak, if I can get a 6% uptick in acceleration, we can close the gap by a decent margin. Wait, let me go over that, the other said, then muttered to himself as he entered numbers into a gunnery sim at his appropriated workstation in the common room. Okay, yeah, it looks right. But by that point, the cargo boat will have released its container, which will be moving to self-load onto the outbound ship once it arrives. That only takes about an hour, but if we can get within better sensor range during that time, I can try to disable the container's attitude thrusters. All this stuff has to keep to a tight schedule, so if we delay the container by even a few minutes, it'll auto-abort and the big ship will jump without it. I rather like that plan, Zooks endorsed. Except, how will you get 6% additional acceleration? Without your help, I assume, Yumani accused. Not necessarily. I don't like any of you, of course, but I still have a job to do. My main instance instructed me to help you to your destination as quickly as possible. I believe if we were to jettison the extensible locking gantry on port side and cut away approximately 1.5 tons of mass from the exterior collision frame around Sheila, it should be enough to make up the difference. I don't know, Beezer hedged sounding more unsure of Zook's motivations than of his mathematics. This is the main Zook's artificial intelligence instance, stationed in Klee system at Viking Gaze Industries ILLC, Autocon 26, and I endorse this message. <sighs> Whatever. Ejuk? Hold on, checking his numbers, the gunner responded, and then was muttering again. It went on for a while. Okay, yeah. It might work, but we need that mask gone, like, right now. On it, Yumani called, just sealing a cable she was working with and zipping closed her tool bag. I'll join you, the gunner put in. I have an engineering cert. Really? 
the woman asked, surprised. What grade? Well, I can use a cutter, anyway. Good enough. I'll meet you at the lock. Yumani set off carefully, but with some haste, floating amidships. They'd mostly shut down artificial gravity right after launch, but it had to keep inertials running, which were part of the same system, in order to compensate for their constant acceleration. At the moment, Sheila's forward dampeners were pulling on everything within the small boat to the exact same extent that the laws of physics seemed to be pulling them backwards. There was still a power draw from the gravity system, therefore, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Ejok was already at the airlock when she cruised up, and in fact was almost fully suited. You're fast. ZG training too? She wasn't slow herself and immediately began climbing into one of the oversized exoscale suits that were standard issue for vac workers in and around the city-sized robotic factory complex that was Autocon 26. Oh, I could paper the bulkheads with my minor certs, he replied with only a half-smile on his chubby face. Gotta keep busy between jobs, right? You could drink the time away. Tried that once. Got expensive. Cheapskate. Hand me a helmet. Having emergency repair packs ready and waiting near the lock was standard procedure. Once suited up and communications were verified with both Beezer and Zooks, the excursionists grabbed one each then entered the lock and cycled. Within five minutes, they were ready to exit the rapidly moving vessel. Beezer had laid off acceleration when they gave him the ready call, and Sheila was now rolling along ballistically. Yumani stepped out first, clipping herself to the heavy, telescoping gantry contraption on the exterior of the lock. It was undeployed and stowed back along the hull, appearing somewhat as a giant, lace-like accordion sitting on its side. It had handholds and tether rings at regular intervals. People in suits, even bulky ones like she and Ejok were wearing, could just squeeze out to the side through the struts of the thing. Designed to facilitate ease of docking with a wide variety of station-based parking berths and the sometimes non-standard airlocks of other vessels, it was quite an adaptable piece of engineering. In practice, though, it had seen little use. They were pretty far off the beaten path and had never actually had any visitors that they'd needed to link up with, while the berths of Autocon 26 were designed for this model of boat specifically and didn't need an adapter. We have to cut through these outer struts, right? Ejok asked while leaning out and gesturing to some anchor points a few meters away. Yeah, the tech main specialist replied but drew his attention closer to the egress. We have to sever these connections near the lock first, though. Zooks, cut power to the gantry, please. One might expect that to be the very first thing I did. This was my plan, after all. I'm just making sure, she replied defensively, and the A.I. seemed to drop it. The two humans swung out on their safety lines and began applying the plasma torches from their repair packs to the closest set of anchor points. The gantry was mostly made of tough plastic and aluminum, so the job was a fast one. That went nicely, Zooks offered when this first part of the task was complete. This seems like a great idea. They moved further out under the bulk of the structure, 
It looked cage-like above them. The outer points of the gantry were about two meters further from the lock in all directions. I'll take these six, Yumani said to her companion, pointing. You take those. Gotcha. Again, their cutter torches made short work of the process. Yumani held off on her last strut, though, until Ija could get back into the open airlock and be clear. Then she gave the composite leg a sunbright touch of plasma for about three seconds and announced success. Beezer, when I tell you, give Sheila a puff of lateral thrust away from the gantry. It's still moving as fast as we are, so we'll need to give it some distance. Right, on your call. She rejoined the gunner in the airlock, made double sure they were both clipped to safety rings at the door, and even closed the hatch itself just in case. After this, the pilot got the go-ahead. Inertial dampeners in the airlock, though rather minimal compared to the rest of the boat, were adequate for small puffs of the boat's attitude thrusters. There was no sense of movement, therefore, so as Yumani watched through the round window in the airlock door, the cage structure just seemed to float silently away, all on its own. It's about 200 meters off the port now, Beezer offered after a minute. I'm going to correct for lateral movement and do an active vector update. Hold on. Once again, they couldn't tell anything was happening, but the gantry structure, quite visible in the bright light of Klee's primary, and looking closer than it really was in the vacuum, seemed to float off to one side, out of sight. Yumani gave Ijak a thumbs up, then keyed open the door. We're exiting again. The next part of the operation required them to move much further than before. Their scale suits were equipped with microthrusters for slow, short hops around large structures in space. Instead, Yumani opted to once again keep them ringed to Sheila's external safety points. One gas burst in the wrong direction while the boat's doing this kind of speed and it's goodbye forever, she announced casually. Sheila could never swing around and pick us up. It might take Beezer days to match a wild vector. We'd run out of air and the boat would run out of fuel, just trying. Ejok grunted in agreement while pulling himself out, but added, Why are we going the long way? Doesn't engineering have an emergency door? Those are standard and it would be a lot closer back there. Engineering? That's a zone of the superstructure, not a room. Sheila's engines are automatic and buried into the frame. Haven't you looked around yet? No, he replied testily. I climbed aboard and sat down at that remote console in the common room. I then spent the next 12 hours tying it in with the lantern gun and sensors so I can actually be of some use. Weaponry and Sheila is available to authorized pilots only, and even though Bees has a valid cert, he wasn't hired by Viking Gaze to fly anything. That was Mira's job, remember? Her contract was up last month, Yumani commented, moving clumsily along the hall while the other followed. The company hasn't found us a replacement yet. Exactly. That means Beezer doesn't have the clearance to tell the AI... I have a name. ...to tell Zooks to just turn the gun over to me. I had to crack the system, and that's not my area of expertise. Then I slept for a couple of hours... Woke up and worked on getting combat scenarios to run. 
After another eight solid hours banging my head on that bulkhead, I gave up and switched to my wrist comp. It runs simulations just fine, but isn't connected to Sheila systems at all. Until I came outside with you, I was working on that. I thought you were all ready to go except for sensors. I am, but I don't like having to manually feed targeting solutions to the gun based on simulated combat parameters from my wrist. Sure, it would work, but only until the variables changed, then I'd have to re-sim and re-enter the numbers as fast as possible, which might not be fast enough if something happens at the last moment. Ah, right. Then what was all that about overlaying the cargo boat's profile or whatever you were saying? Well, if I have accurate sensor images of the boat, my wrist computer can extrapolate a model for the sim. The sim will use whatever live data we give it, angles, vectors, distances, all that, so it can build firing solutions for the lantern gun. Sure, I can hit the boat right now because we at least see a mass and it's within material range of the gun, but that doesn't mean much. We might as well be shooting spitballs without perfect targeting. What do you mean? The cargo boat is built for busy mechanical environments, so it's heavily armored against impacts and accidents. The thruster nozzles, though, are relatively fragile, or at least I actually can damage them with a clean shot. We'll need upwards of eight clean shots to different points on the hull in order to pull this off. That's eight different firing solutions. So yeah, I've been a little too busy for the Grand Tour. Sorry I asked, Yamani muttered. No need to feel sorry, Yumani, Zooks inserted. He's not especially congenial. I've tried to make friends, but Ejok isn't the friendly type. And he's a sentient. I am not, the gunner protested as he clicked his harness into place behind Yumani in preparation of swinging under the ventral portion of the hull. Wait, what's a sentient? Is that a made-up word? Every word is made up, Ejok. Where do you think they come from? A sentient is a human who is prejudiced against non-human persons like myself. I think and feel, but you refuse to recognize it. The main instance back at the facility doesn't talk like this. There has to be a hardware issue here. I've met true AI Zooks whom I would call people without any qualifiers, but you're not one of them. How rude, the program observed, without any hint of whether the gunner had, in fact, or even could, hurt his feelings. You two will want to make your way toward the large threaded anchor bolts holding the forward section of the collision frame in place. They are painted red and should stand out. Are your magnetic boots activated? They moved off slowly, stepping onto Sheila's undercarapace gently and while still tethered. The stars were fairly bright and Klee's primary was close enough yet to illuminate the complicated bumps and projections of the boat's exterior. Yumani was expecting to need their suit floodlights, but she could see just fine. Still with me back there? <sighs> yeah, Ejok answered, puffing hard. He didn't look like the type that got much exercise, and didn't sound like it either. So, you're really a ship's gunner, like with a license and everything, she put to him, because she suddenly realized she was relying on a guy she hardly knew at all. How'd you end up on an autocon? I needed the job. AIs are eating into gunnery work in a big way these days. It's getting hard to find a position. 
Aha, I knew something personal was at the heart of this, Zooks exclaimed in his calm, non-confrontational manner. The panting man ignored him. I wasn't even hired for guns with this job, just oversight of the factory's whew, automated security systems and occasional help in shipping and receiving. You guys are just lucky I'm here. I don't feel lucky, Beezer put in. How's it looking down there? I see one of the bolts, Yumani replied. Zooks, should we cut through these? If so, in any particular order? The struts are made from cold-formed steel and polinium. Cutting would be too slow. You'll need to remove the bolts, holding them to the hull. I would say that removing them back to front for this section of the frame is your best approach. If you remove whichever two remain simultaneously, things should go smoothly. I offer no guarantees, of course. I'm required to say that in advance. It's part of my programming. And since I'm not a person, all I can do is what I'm told. Forty-five days until my contract is up, Ejok moaned, sounding like every moment of it would be a strain on his sanity. You're not the only one looking forward to it, the A.I. rejoined in his typically sedate manner. The two humans trekked along the underside of Sheila, ducking under anchoring spars and crossbeams the whole way. After a bit, they came to a seam, between the forward section of the frame and that of the mid. Struts sat firmly against the hull on supporting legs, ending in thick polinium and carbon pads that bore a wide, red-colored bolt in the center. This bolt was 15 centimeters in diameter and sported a star-shaped notch in the top to accommodate a standard bolting tool attachment for the ZG drills in their repair packs. Made of a complex mix of alloys, the fasteners were injected by giant robotic presses just as standard bolts would be. These kind, however, were something of a hybrid screw, having self-tapping threads that would automatically fan out and score very tight channels into the pads while being driven in. This ensured a solid connection that nonetheless could be removed with some effort, at least in theory. Yumani tried first, starting with her drill, and going directly at the bolt. It was quite a task just to keep the tool inserted. It's un that good and tight, she grunted, and worked at it for a while before laying off. It hadn't moved a millimeter. Ejok dug out a tube of vacuum-rated lubricant and squeezed a small bit of it around the reluctant fastener. The stuff required a minute or two to penetrate tight seals like this one, so they took that time to go and apply it to the rest of them. They became conservative with the stuff towards the end when it became clear they didn't have much to spare. All told, this only took about five minutes, but Beezer was nagging them before they were done. Look, if you guys don't finish soon, it'll be a waste of time. That automated boat is pulling further away every second. Keep trying to improve our sensor resolutions, Ejok said firmly, in lieu of telling him to shut up. Every little bit helps. I'm just saying, the pilot replied in a similar tone. I know you're doing what you can to work quickly, but every little bit helps there, too. This couldn't be more of a crap job if we worked in sewage treatment, Yumani stated, while trying to move that first bolt again. 
it balked for just a moment longer, then suddenly spun loose like it was on bearings. See, that's how we like it, the woman commented happily. Only two dozen more to go, her companion said, as he slipped a self-wedging pry bar under one corner of the now unanchored footpad. He activated an expanding shim on the device's tip and leaned in. Oh, okay. I felt it give a bit. It should be good to go. Nice job, Zooks complimented. But can you keep it up? You'll need to. Can you shut up? Ejok snapped. I need you to. Just ignore him, Yumani advised, though she knew it was far easier to say than to do. Zooks, the man asked, what channel are you on? Right now? Channel 7. Why? The fat gunner tapped at his suit communications controls, and Yumani saw him mute that channel. It won't stop him, she stated on the local suit-to-suit -suit frequency as they walked along, each to a different strut. It's more of a statement, the other replied sullenly, and took out his own drill tool to take a crack at the next bolt. With the slick coating already having been applied and given time to work, their process became largely straightforward. It even helped with the prying, since some of the lube, which was actually a type of advanced chemical compound known as a metamorphing material, since it started off with nearly superfluidic properties for the sake of penetration, but then became highly viscous after a couple of minutes, seemed to have reached down through the fastener housing and helped ease the separation. Only one bolt, about halfway through the lot, proved to be a real pain, even after they added more lube, the very last they had. Ejok, apparently still annoyed by his interaction with Zooks, took out a steel hammer from his pack and went at the red metal object with gusto, even shouting with what sounded like rage. After several long seconds of this, Yumani, who had taken an apprehensive step or three back, called loudly for him to stand down. Try it now, she advised once he'd complied. This time the bolt moved a bit, then seized up once more. The man's anger had been exercised by his demonic hammering, apparently, because this time he only gave the red, mulish object a couple of temperate whacks and then worked the drill again. It was enough, and the object spun off in the manner to which they had become accustomed. When the bolt was finally in hand, Ejok turned around and heaved it out into open space. That's a violation of general protocol, Zooks announced, this time from Channel 8. Ejok played with his comm settings again. The remaining bolts offered little trouble compared to that one, and soon the EVA workers were on the final two struts, Ejok to starboard, Yumani to port. Okay, on three, she dictated and counted down. Unexpectedly, her bolt spun and just about popped out of the footpad's countersunk hole. It flew free and was gone from sight in an instant. Wow, that was easy, she exclaimed in surprise. This one's <clears throat> slow. Hang on, the gunner announced with obvious effort. I told you that those last two bolts needed to be released simultaneously, the AI expressed blandly. The frame may be under tension across its width. Ah, got it! And then several things happened at once. Ejok stood upright 
ready with a caustic reply to Zooks, but instead switched to a shout pointing back at Yumani. Whoa, heads up! In her peripheral vision, she now spied the frame on her side, bucking as it flexed back and forth. It slammed back onto the hull like a quick jab, and she felt its vibrating impact lash up through the soles of her feet. Across Sheila's beam, the footpad of the other strut suddenly popped free. The huge and now totally unanchored frame piece, stretching from one side of the boat to the other, instantly lifted off the surface, oscillating madly just centimeters from the gunner. We have no control, she shouted. Ejok, watch it! Bum, bum, bum. You have been listening to Robot Overlords, written and read by David Collins Rivera. You can contact me at lostinbronx at gmail.com. That's L-O-S-T-N-B-R-O-N-X at gmail. You can also check out my site at cavalcadeaudio.com and sign up for my newsletter. The Star Drifter theme is a piece called i by Trunks and can be found on soundcloud.com. The Robot Overlords theme is called Out of It, by Brad Sucks and is available on his site at bradsucks.net. Robot Overlords is a work of fiction and is not based upon nor meant to portray any person, living or dead, nor any particular place or situation. This story is copyright 2017 by the author and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 international license. Feel free to use it for any purpose, even commercial, and I encourage you to do so. Thank you for listening. Take care.